You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Welcome back to Legends Live, as presented by the National Basketball Retired Players Association. This is the home of all our NBA and WNBA legends. I'd like to remind our viewers, you can always submit questions during the show that we will answer before we wrap up. Without any further ado, I'd like to get to today's guest. He is a former Auburn Tiger, former Phoenix Sun, a two-time Olympic gold medalist. We have Charles Barkley with us. Thank you, man. Charles, how are you? Thanks for having me. It's an honor. Uh, things are good. You know, um, I'm uh, I'm glad that we're finally got some semblance of relevancy uh, about because they told me I was off for the rest of the year. So I'm pissed <laughs> about that. I'm not going to lie. As and you should I, be. Huh? I said, as you should be. I'm like, because that the last thing they said that we'll see y'all next year. I didn't know next year was going to be early December. <laughs> Yeah, what what do you think about that? Like, what is that? Just as a player, it feels like too soon to come back. Well, listen, I talked to a bunch of those players. It's either like this: A or B. A, I get paid. B, I don't get paid. You know, uh, listen, is it too soon? One hundred percent. These guys just got out of the bubble uh, recently. They have, uh, you know, they need some time to rest. But you have to look at the big picture. Uh, they need to get paid also. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, you know, Tyler, the one thing that always, you know, we talked about collective bargaining mm. and the Players Association and all that other stuff. Hey, everybody's not in the same financial boat. Right. You know, so it's it's always that's why I think I always tell the guys who make the most money. We have to be sympathetic and have some compassion for the younger guy or, or not just the younger guys. People don't make the most money. Right. You know, the stars going to always make the most money. Uh, and plus, they got other money coming in from endorsements and commercials and things like that. Mm. But, you know, the, it was like the NFL this year. I did not realize because I was watching on TV and they're like, you know, you saw uh, and I don't want to call guys. out. You saw like the six to seven highest paid players. Says, no, mm. we're not playing an extra game. We don't need to play more football. Mm. And some guys, well, the guys need to take the deal. So, you know what I did? I called a bunch of my NFL friends. I said, yo, man, tell me what's going on. Not the stuff that the media wants to get out there and somebody's leaking. They're like, right. you know, Charles, 60% of NFL players make the minimum. I'm like, what? Wow. 60? And I said, 60. I said, what? Wow. They're like, yeah, you guys only pay attention to the guys they put on TV, but 60% of players in the NFL make the minimum. I was like, I was shocked. Yeah. And, you know, they were going to make an extra million and a half to two million dollars a year. And I was like, hey, you know what? I understand why they're saying. And I, and I listen, I understand why the stars don't want to play extra football games. Right. But, you know, the thing I told these guys when I was talking to them, I'm like, yo, man, is it December 22nd, a quick turnaround? Yes. But, you know, it's the Miami Heat and the and the Lakers. They want mm -hmm. the furthest. Mm hmm. But listen, everybody's not in the same financial boat. Let's get back to plan. We got to get back at some point because, listen, one thing I know about them owners, they're going to get their damn money. Yeah, one way or another. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm sure about that. Yeah. So what the, I guess have you been spending your time since the, the end of your, I guess the two weeks off they gave you in between the conference finals and the in, new season starting? Have you been spending your time? Well, you know, it's it's interesting. You know, uh, I've been really working hard on my golf game. I've been practicing okay. every day. Okay. You know, um, you know, I've been working with these historically black colleges. Started a program uh, a few years ago where I've been trying to give a million dollars a year away to charity. So mm. I just announced actually a couple of weeks ago I uh, picked another historically black college, uh, Tuskegee, uh, uh -huh. to go with uh, Morehouse in Atlanta, mm -hmm. Clark in Atlanta. Alabama A&M in Alabama and Miles in Alabama. Uh, so for me, uh, this will be uh, my fifth edition of giving a historical black college a, a million dollars. 
And so when TNT approached me with this uh, Champions for Change to raise more money mm. uh, that didn't come out of my pocket, I was like, yeah. <laughs> so because we really need to help these schools uh, right. because, you know, man, number one, I want to give my thoughts and prayers to everybody out there who's been struggling with this COVID situation. Mm. Number one, if they've uh, been sick uh, or lost a loved one, but also if you lost your job, yeah. your small business, you know, all Benefits. that stuff, it, oh, it's just been tough. So anything we can do to help anybody. But like I say, these young black kids, they're already behind eight ball anyway. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm a, I'm a big guy, how important their education is. Bill Russell, my second dad, always tell me education is the king to be, key to being successful. And uh, I think uh, I'm really going to thank Turner. Mm-hmm. I really want to thank Phil Mickelson uh, and Steph Kerr and Peyton Manning. You know, last time we raised $20 million when we had the match wow. down in Florida. So, like I say, uh, I'm really looking forward to it and hope that we can raise a crap load of money. You said you're out in Arizona is where the tournament yeah, is going to yeah, be? Yeah, it's out here and uh, up at a, a course called Stone Canyon. It's actually uh, owned by Phil Mickelson. Oh, wow. Uh, and it's uh, on TNT the day after Thanksgiving. And hey, I have practiced. Listen, if I suck, you know, a lot of people know I suck at golf, but I have worked my behind off. Okay. I've been I've been practicing playing at least five or six hours every single day. Um actually as soon as I finish with you guys, I'm going to the range. I've been I've done absolutely nothing today. I'm not gonna lie. I just watched it. <laughs> hey, hey, one see what hey, one thing about living in Arizona. All the good sports stuff starts like first thing in the morning. Yeah, I'm so I'm in Atlanta. I'm so jealous of that. I love West Coast time. <laughs> love hey, it. Hey, hey, I love West Coast time. You know, we get that little thing where like, what time the golf come on? One o'clock. Oh, that's ten o'clock in the morning. We're good, y'all. Right? Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. You could watch the whole golf, and it's like noon for y'all. That's yeah. Hey, what's hey? I tell you what's crazy. Uh, on the weekend when you're watching football. Like on Saturday, college football starts at nine mm. o'clock in the morning, and then you know by six you're done with all the football, yep. and you're good to go for the rest of the day. And Sunday on Sunday, hey, ten o'clock in the morning, you wake up, you watch the first wave of games. One o'clock, you watch the second wave of games. It's, you st- then around six seven, you watch the last game. You're like, oh man, it's eight o'clock. And you ain't did nothing, but it's been a fun day. Yeah, that, that's beautiful. The first time I realized it, I remember I watched all day game, like the Monday night football game. Normally, when that goes off, that's end of the day bedtime. Out west, end of Monday night football, it's like eight thirty. Yeah, like you, you right. can do whatever you want. You got the rest of your evening. Yeah, I, you see, I actually like the fact that you can get up. Uh, I'm trying to work on my body uh, doing mm. this thing because uh, so I get up in the morning, go work out. Then it's time for football. Uh, and But right now, I got up this morning, workout. I ain't left my theater all day watching golf all day. Okay. Now, are you watching that for leisure? Are you watching, like, trying to get notes, getting some tips? Well, you know, that's one of the reasons I got in trouble the first time, Tyler. Uh-oh. I started. Listen, you know, and people will tell you, I used to be a good player. Mm. Then I started taking lessons from every Tom, Dick, and Harry in the world, trying right. to get better. And now I got, like, 10 guys talking to me. So I try not to, uh, of course, you listen and you hear things, but, man, the worst thing you can do when you're playing golf is think. Mm. So how, what's changed this time? Like, How are you How are you just eliminating thinking now? You're just trying to get, like, muscle memory? What's going to be different well, about this Well, yeah, I think the main thing, I got a, a teacher. Uh, his name is Stan Utley. Okay. Who, you know, I met him at a charity golf tournament, a pro tournament. He says, hey, Charles, how you doing? And I said, man, I'm struggling. I'm just here to use my name and raise some money for a charity. He says, you should let me work with you sometime. I said, Stan, you know, I don't work with everybody, mm-hmm. some of the best teachers in the world. He's like, well, you got nothing else to lose. And, you know, Tyler, what he did was, and I've gotten better in the last year and a half than I played in the last 20 years. I'm not going to lie. He says, mm-hmm. okay, let's cut, let's, let's cut off some of those buttons in your head. Mm-hmm. He's let's cut off some of those buttons. He says, I want you to just think about one thing. And then he said, I just want you to think about two things. So now when I play, instead of thinking about 10 things, we spent like five hours one day. He said, don't, hey, 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 don't listen. forget all that other shit. Forget mm-hmm. all that other shit. Think about one thing. And then he's, then the next time he said, hey, now think about this. Right. He says, I want you, he says, I'm going to drill in your head two things. 
And, you know, and it's been working. And like I say, I'm not afraid of hard work. I mean, if you saw that uh, golf show I did with Hank Haney, we hit balls like eight to ten hours a day. Mm. I mean, first of all, I wouldn't be on here if I was afraid of hard work, to be honest with you. That's, that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. I do want to ask you something. How did you like Tuskegee was the most recent one? How do you decide the schools? Well, that's <laughs> a good question. Okay, so I had been uh, trying to figure out how to help the HBCUs, and so you know, I make the commercial with Sam Jackson and Spike Lee, mm-hmm. and they were talking about how, and I didn't do it right away. Like I waited a couple of years. And I would hear him talking about it every time we were filming commercials, like the, how we can help uh, Morehouse, Morehouse, mm-hmm. Morehouse, Morehouse. And then I'd call call Spike. I'd say, Spike, uh, I'm starting this thing where I'm going to start helping these historical black colleges. I'm going to give Morehouse a million. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's how it first started. And then actually, one of the cameramen at TNT, Anthony, he'd been bugging me. He said, yo, man, just make sure <laughs> we're next. Okay. Make sure we next. Okay. So then, so then uh, I did Clark, mm-hmm. and then you know, obviously being from Alabama, um, they started bugging me. But I hadn't <laughs> made up my mind I wasn't going to do anything in Alabama. They had pissed me off, to be honest with you. Okay. You know, because I had been trying to open up business in Alabama for like 10, 15 years. Mm-hmm. You know, and being I'm from a small town right outside of Birmingham, and I was like, nah. I've been trying to open up a business in Birmingham for 20 years. We've mm. had three mayors I've met with. I don't want to call them out. They were awful. <laughs> I said, yo, man, I'm trying to, I want to own a business in Alabama. You mm. know, I like, this is where I'm from. First of all, all my money's in Alabama. That's where right. my financial people are. Can y'all help me? But I want to put in the right situation. Right. And I was bitter for like three years. And I said, no. But then I, I got involved with one of my mentors, John Hudson, a Southern company. And he said, yo man, let that go. We got some idiots that are mayor. We've got a great mayor now around the Woodfin who's okay. actually a Morehouse guy. Okay. I think he's the youngest mayor in the country, in the country, Randall Woodfin, mayor of Birmingham, Alabama. But my mentor, John Hudson said to me, yo man, we got some foods running this city. Let that go. Let's help Alabama. So right. it's bigger than them. Yeah, it's bigger than them. So then I went to his alma mater, which is uh, Alabama A and M. He didn't even ask for that. Mm. Uh, I said, "I'm gonna do your alma mater. How about that, mentor?" And then I met uh, a female president named Bobby Knight, who okay. just uh, just I just met her, and I'm like, you know, it's not that many women presidents, right? So I said, all right, so I had met her a few times. I said, Bobby, you know what I'm going to do? Miles is next. So I did that a couple years ago. And then I was thinking about doing it again. Uh, I've been looking around for the pandemic. Hmm. And it hit me uh, that one of my best friends from college is a guy named Greg Turner. And he went to Tuskegee. And we spent a lot of time in Tuskegee because it's right beside Auburn. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't know that. And then, then I found out they got a, a female president. So that, that really oh, meant wow. a lot to me also. So I did it for a friend of mine, Greg Turner. And uh, so I'm really excited. Uh, you know, I, I, I really enjoy doing it when I go meet the kids and talk to them and tell them how important education is. Because, you know, Tyler, the one thing, it, going back to when I made, made that role model commercial back in, mm-hmm. uh, I think it was 89. I remember when I went to Nike and I told them I wanted to make that commercial. And they told me I was freaking nuts. <laughs> so that was your called, idea? Huh? That was your yeah. idea? And yeah, and I see they're like, I said, I want to make this because let me tell you what was happening. So, you know, we still unfortunately got segregated schools. Right. So I was noticing a problem with black kids. So when I would go speak at these schools, after a year or two, I realized like, man, these black kids only think they can be jocks and entertainers. They don't mm. think they can be doctors, lawyers, engineers, teachers, firemen, policemen, right. and things like that. So and then, because when I would go to schools, like I'd go to a predominantly white school or a white school, to be honest, I said, "Well, how many of y'all want to play sports?" Like, like five percent, couple maybe, like five percent maybe. And I said, "What do you want to do?" I want to be a doctor. I want to be a lawyer. I want to be an engineer. I'm like, damn. When I would go to the black schools, or how many of y'all want to play sports or be entertainers? It was like a hundred percent. I said, "Y'all do know that y'all can be doctors, lawyers, entertainers, engineers, and things like that, right?" They're like. 
No, I just want to play sports and uh, be a, a recording artist. So I think that I think they were kind of being brainwashed because the only black people they saw were jocks and entertainers. Right. And those were the positive role models. They yeah, had. I said, man, this is not going to work. So listen, we got to be realistic. It's, we're talking about less than 1% of the population that play pro sports. And I wish right. everybody could do it because it's a great living. But everybody's not going to do it. So I told them, they're like, no, we don't want to. I said, let's do it. Trust me. I said, it's going to create conversation and debate. And to Nike's credit, they came to me later and said, this is one of the best ideas we ever had. And they said, 95% of the letters they got were positive. And I said, mm. but they were worried about me. I said, hey, I'm a big boy. I can take criticism. I, yeah. listen, I don't get offended that easy. You know, I don't live my life worrying about what everybody thinks about me. I mean, <laughs> there's always somebody going to dislike you or say bad things about you. That's one of the reasons I never, never do social media. You know, I've been offered millions, you know, I've been offered millions of dollars to do social media. I was like, y'all ain't got enough damn money to make me talk to these fools. You know? Yeah, why smart. Would, Stay away from it, man. Yeah, it, it's poison. Why listen, I, I'm doing good. I, I why would I give these fools access to me to say mean things? Right. I, you know, like when I go speak at all these colleges, you know, I speak to a lot of football teams and basketball teams. You know, number one guy, I said, listen, guys, you guys know my reputation on this social media. I just I'm a, I ain't going to if you want to do it that's up to y'all but let me tell you something don't have a bad game and right. go on social media uh you know don't get you know people say racist things you'd like when I spoke you know coach Sabres had me speak to his team a couple times and one of the young black kids said to me well how do you handle if some of these fans when they start saying racist stuff to you I said, dude, if you're waiting on the world to not say racial stuff about you, you ain't never going to play football again. Right. You know, and I said, you guys are in a very difficult situation. You guys got a great social platform, uh, but it's it like it's a, a double-edged sword. Mm. You know, people going to say stuff to you when you talk about uh, equality. You know, people complaining about who you supported for president. I said, it's just a double-edged sword. I choose to not engage. Uh, if people want to hear what I got to say, they have to pay, uh, turn on TNT to watch. If they don't want to hear me, they can turn that off. But right. I'm never going to give them a platform on social media because I don't ever want to be, you know, like I say, everybody has bad days. Maybe mm -hmm. you've been out drinking. Uh, and I told you, that's what I tell them young players. Like you had mm -hmm. a bad game. Maybe you've been out drinking. Maybe your girlfriend says something bad to you. And that's the double-edged sword about being in the limelight. Right. These fools on social media can say anything they want to to you. Yep. Directly but if you to say, you. Yeah, but if you say anything bad back to them, da da da. Yeah, you the bad guy. Yeah, you. Hey, and it's out there for life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, have you seen in the last few years, they're bringing up, which, which number one, I don't think is fair. They're bringing stuff up when people said when they were like 16, when you, and I was like, everybody's stupid at 16. Right. I, I, I'm glad we didn't have social uh, stuff where I could copy everything, wrote down and said everything I said when I was 16. Right. I was going to say, how do you think that would have went if during the 80s, 90s when you played, if it was this level of social media coverage and it's like the reporters have access, they can ask you a question, but the, but your answer before, the only way you could get it out was through them writing it in the paper. Now you can tweet it on your own or you can mm -hmm. you know, get get your own news out. Well, it's, like I say, it's, it's dangerous because, you know, people tell me all the time they love watching me because I'm honest. Mm -hmm. Well, number one, I'm going to be honest and say what, I, what the hell I want to say. But the problem is people on, only want you to be honest when they agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> That's yep. the one day people are like, man, you're so honest. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, you don't say that because you agree with me. Right. Because I, I, I've heard when people disagree with me how some stuff be going on, apparently. So, so I, I'm not a fool. So people want you to be honest, but they only want you to be honest if they agree with you. That's the double-edged sword of being number one on TV or being on social media. Yeah. Like, yeah, you can say what you want to until somebody disagree with you. Yeah. Uh, switching lanes a little bit, the, the draft is coming up. Like the young players about to enter into the league. What do you remember about draft day? It'll be a, little, uh, be a lot different this year with the – Virtual, I'm not sure how they're going to do it. The combines, the workouts, they weren't able to do. But what do you remember about your draft day process? I remember that, okay, so 
my back then we had a hard salary cap. Mm. So it's the Sixers had uh bought me in. I played close to 300 pounds in college. Mm. And the Sixers had bought me in and they says, um, we want you to get, I think I weighed 293. Okay. And they said, we want you to get to 285 and want you to stop back before the draft in Philly. And uh, we want to weigh you again. We want to take you. So I went down to Houston for like, two months i think it was and worked out and got down to about 285 maybe even a little lower mm. and then my agent tells me he like now you do know if the 76 is draft you you're gonna sign a one-year deal for seventy five thousand dollars mm. i'm like yo man i didn't leave college for seventy five thousand. <laughs> for one year seventy five thousand. Yeah. yeah he's like well that's the dilemma you got so two days three days before the draft we quit working out we got up one morning. We went to Denny's. <laughs> went got went back home. Got some rest. Went to like Red Lobster for lunch. <laughs> then we went to a big steakhouse, and we did the exact same thing like three days in a row. And on my way to Philly, we stopped. On my way to the draft, we stopped in Philly, and I weighed like two ninety nine. <laughs> okay. And I'm thinking like, yes, yes, yes. The Sixers owner at the time, Harold Cass, blew a gasket. <laughs> He's like, not only did I tell you to lose weight, you, you gain you gain weight. <laughs> and uh, he called me every ML fat, uh, every name in the book. And on the way on uh, on the train in New York, me and my agent are high fiving each other like I'm gonna drop in the draft and get like some real money and mm. thank God, blah blah blah. And let me tell you something: when that when David Stern said with the fifth pick, of uh, the twenty or uh, whatever draft it was, the seven six of Charles Barkley, I thought I had died. <laughs> where I were you hoping thought, to go? Uh, anywhere where I can get some money. I didn't, right. hey, listen. I left college to get money. I, I didn't leave college for $75,000. Yeah. But, and man, it was nerve-wracking. I was so stressed out. In, in fairness to the Sixers, they traded, like, three players. Leo Rowdens, hmm. uh, Mark McNamara, and Franklin Edwards, if I remember correctly. And my first contract was four years, $2 million. And okay. Man, uh, that's a little bit of, better than seventy-five thousand. Hey, hey, that's a lot better. <laughs> and uh, so it was a really uh, big learning experience for me. But like I say, that draft night, man, I was sweating bullets. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, I'm like, damn, I left college for seventy-five thousand dollars. <laughs> and uh, but hey, get a shout out to the Six and Harold Cash for making things right. So, what would you tell uh, a guy going into the draft now? Because they're like they've got the set scale; they don't even negotiate. What you yeah. get is is where you pick. So, what just what general advice would you give a guy about to go into the draft? Uh, this is the greatest job in the world. Mm. I mean, you know, listen. Anytime you football, you is they're amazing, but you can get hurt playing football. You're not gonna make a ton. Of, like only a couple players in baseball are gonna make a ton of money. Mm. Uh, hockey's. You know, you're always gonna make money. No guys, those guys skating out in the cold weather all the time. It's always cold at hockey games. You got a chance to have the best job in the whole world. You're gonna work seven months a year, maybe eight. You're gonna make millions of dollars. You're gonna get hundreds of dollars a day per diem. You're gonna stay in the best hotels in the world. I mean, you're going to get to travel the country and the world more than likely because, you know, these guys play a lot of games. Yeah, international game games, tournaments. Yeah. I would tell them, I said, man, just grow in and look. It's a job. You, you, you're playing basketball, but this you got a chance to have the best job in the world. That's what I tell all these guys. I've been telling them for 30 years now, like, man, this is the best job in the world. Mm. I mean, uh, it, it's, it's an honor and a privilege. But, man, if you just handle your business – You'll be set for life. Right. What advice would you give somebody like Giannis 
because I, I believe you all at similar points in your career where it was just things you wanted to accomplish uh, success wise that you weren't able to do so there. Yeah. And, you know, so, yeah. What would you tell him? Well, I hope he stays in Milwaukee. Hmm. You know, I'm not a big proponent of the super teams. I mean, yeah, Kevin Durant won championship, but he's still going to have to prove himself in Brooklyn before he yeah. gets his real credit and his due. Uh, you think you that's know, fair? Yeah, I think it's fair. Uh, yeah, it's being on a team with other great players is not the same as being the man. Right. When you're the bus, when you're the bus driver instead of the bus riders, it's a totally different pressure. True. Uh, it's a totally different pressure uh, because you get all the credit and you get all the blame. Yep. Uh, and but that's the way it is. That's a but that's a responsibility that goes with being a superstar. So nobody, listen, I'm and I'm not knocking anybody. Okay, I want to say this. What I mean when I say this, I'm like. Mm. Uh, nobody says, hey, uh, Cedric Sabalos didn't win the championship. Right. <laughs> you know, nobody <laughs> right. says Nigel Knight didn't win the championship. Yeah. But as a star, they're like, Charles Barkley didn't win the championship. Carl right. Malone didn't win the championship. Patty Lee. But listen, we're all great players. Mm -hmm. I, I admire the hell out of those guys. But there's a different responsibility when you're driving the bus. Right. I mean, uh, it's, it's like, number one, you have to be a great player and play hard every night and lead your team. But uh, if you don't win a championship, they're going to blame you, period. Uh, you mentioned the Nets. What do you think of Steve Nash being there? Like first-time head coach. He didn't really have any coaching experience. He steps right into a, a situation where they're – I mean, they've got win-now expectations. Well, they definitely got win-now expectations. It's going to be interesting. You know, I'm curious how Kyrie and Kevin going to handle the New York pressure. Mm. That goes back to what I was just telling you. Hey, man. When you're a star in a big city, everything you do is magnified. Yep. And, you know, and Kyrie hasn't helped himself time about, but we really don't have a coach. We're going to do it by committee. I'm like, uh, yeah, that's probably not going to work, <laughs> Kyrie. Right. That, the NBA doesn't work like that. Every right. team has a head coach that you have to listen to, and he's in charge. So for me, uh, from a basketball standpoint, the Nets got a good team. Yep. Uh, but I worry about their mental makeup. Because the stress of having to win is a real thing. Mm. The stress, like this year, the Milwaukee Bucks, yep. the Lakers, and the Clippers, they were really the only three teams that had to win the championship or their season was a failure. Yep. And it's probably going to be the same thing next year. Like, you know, the uh, – Denver, like people were like, and they had a terrific season coming back from two, three, one series. That was a great season for them. Right. But now, probably going forward, they got to get to the finals or they're not having any. Uh, like, no, you didn't have no good season. Right. You can't go backwards you, at this point. You can't, you can't. No, once you, once you, um, uh, a team or a made man, the clock starts ticking on you whether you win the championship or not. Right. Hey, and we can sit and debate all day whether it's right or it's wrong. That's just how it is. Yeah. I mean, you watch you watch all these fools on 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 TV in the morning. Like they go hard after the stars. That's just the way it is. You don't yeah. take it personally. Uh, it's kind of like a badge of courage. Like, well, at least they're talking about you. But yeah, I mean, we're not we're not talking about the bombs on the bench. We're talking about the stars, superstars. Yeah, and and, and, and uh, but that's the way this whole sports landscape works. Right. Now, what's uh, just some recent news? We're hearing that the Rockets is something going on within the Rockets. Like, what? Yeah, what do you make of the, Like, what's going on there? What, what would you do if you were, if you were in the Rocket shoes, the front office the shoes? Ooh, that's a bad situation. Now, you know, if your two best players don't want to be there, uh, and they don't get along, apparently, I mean, it's just like, I don't know what you're gonna do. Right. I mean, that's the situation you're in. Like, cause like, and the one thing I'm sure of, when you trade a superstar, you never get full value in return. Mm. Like superstars, I mean, cause there's only two or three superstars in the NBA. There's a bunch of guys who are really good players and a couple guys who are really great players. Mm. But for a superstar, there's only maybe three. So when you trade one of those guys, you might get a lot of draft picks and they might be stars. You might get some good players, but they're not right. superstars. A lot of pieces, but a lot of pieces. Right. Uh, so uh, that's going to be, 
and hey, and, and listen, hey Tyler, I just like you. I'm just like you on this stuff. Hey, I just saw that report the last couple yeah. of days. I'm like, oh, and like I say, I don't talk to anybody in Houston. Uh, nobody knows what's going on. So right. I'm watching the news and I'm like, oh, Russ and James, so they're not happy in, uh, in Houston. <laughs> I'm like, oh, all right, this guy, I'm gonna sit back like the rest of y'all and watch and see what happens. <laughs> You know, I'm here. I'm here in Phoenix, and they're like, my phone's been blowing up the last two days. Like, y'all getting Chris Paul? I'm mm. like, uh, I'm. Hey, hey, I don't have anything. I I have nothing to do with the Suns. I'm watching the same news. Suns and and Thunder close to a deal on Chris Paul. I'm like, I'll let y'all get mine. <laughs> I'm like, okay, let's see what happens. I mean, that's the thing right now. You know, think there's all this stuff is being said, but I don't think anybody know until something happened. Right. But you know, you got the draft coming up, so I think some things probably got to happen uh, during or before the draft. Yeah, I think draft night will be. I feel like we usually see a lot of activity, and I think this year might be. I feel like we might see a couple big names. I don't know if you saw it was a report earlier that came out that Victor Oladipo told a couple teams, yeah. uh, you know, like come get me or let me, you know, let me come play with y'all. So I think we're gonna see a very exciting offseason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Victor says that, but he, he gonna say, but I want a hundred and seventy-five million dollars too. <laughs> he did, yeah, he left hey, that part out. Uh, hey, 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 listen, hey, hey, he left that part out. Come get me, but he like either he what he's really saying is, hey, Indiana, give me a max deal for about two hundred million, or one of your other teams come and get me for two hundred million. Like, you see, I want to get out of here because they won't give me two hundred million. Right. You know, it, like let's say. I love sitting back listening to what somebody said and what they meant to say. Like, <laughs> okay. hey, I know Victor's a free agent. He wants the max deal. And like, yeah, hey, y'all come get me, but don't come empty handed. Right. Yeah. Don't uh, yeah. come with uh, paper and plastic. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes. You, uh... <laughs> now, did, I read you have a uh, a stance on on why you, you want to allow yourself to be in NBA 2K. Could you go into that? Sure. People ask me that all the time. Well, actually, kids ask me that all the time. So it started probably 10 years ago. Mm. Uh, uh, So they called my agent. He says, hey, they want to give you, I don't even remember the money. It wasn't a lot of money. And first of all, it didn't matter to me because I got a lot of money. Mm. And they said, "Uh, can we use you in the game? I said, no, they can't use it. I tell you you what, to be fair. Because actually, I, I, I... I said, tell them to donate a million dollars to the retired players association and I'll do their game. Okay. Like, no, they're like, no, we're going to pay you what we pay everybody else. I says, okay, no big deal. Then I guess they thought I was going to change my mind. They came back next year. I says, wait a minute. I didn't change my mind. Mm. Uh, Are you kidding me? And they're like, uh, we want to offer you the same deal. I said, I told you the same deal last year. Right. Give a million dollars to the retired players. I said, y'all can even have the tax write-up. I'm not even asking for the money. Right. I said, I'm not, I, I'm not going to get a pay the dime. And they said, well, we got Ernie, Kenny, and Shaq. Well, I said, I don't give a shit what they got. <laughs> right. I said, I said, first of all, I love Ernie, Kenny, and Shaq. Mm-hmm. I says, but giving those guys some extra money is not going to help anybody. I said, but you guys got a chance. I said, first of all, if me and Ernie Ken and Shaq stuck together, it would be four million dollars. And, and and I'm talking about and I'm not I'm talking about older players. Right. You know, there's this perception that everybody's made a lot of money. You know, but uh, I and I told them I, so they've asked so they they actually came back in the last couple of years. I said, I'm not gonna do that game. Y'all are wasting your time. Cause every year when Ernie Kenny and Shaq get ready to do the the, the, the stuff, mm. they are like, I say, hey, good luck. I wish y'all success, but I, I told them they know my rules. And like I say, so Ty, that's just the deal. When they rather to come to me right and give the old retired players association a million dollars, mm. uh, I will do their game. Uh, actually, since they've been pissing me off all these years, <laughs> I might seriously. I'm I, just now that you think about it. I started a million like ten years ago. I was gonna say uh, inflation. Say, yeah, I mean. and, we, and we're in the middle of a pandemic. If they want to use it, I probably charge them more now. I'm so glad you brought that up. See? And, yeah. No, if, if they ask me to do it again, I'm going to ask for more. Thank you, Tyler. There you go. I was going to ask, what, what would you uh, like yeah, to do Yeah, because they've been with pissing that? me off. They, you know, Tyler, somebody asked you the same damn question 10 years in a every row. Every year. And said no every time. That's starting to piss you off, correct? Absolutely. 
Thank you. I think you got a point here. I think we might be able to get some uh, get some pressure on 2K because I don't think you're asking for too much. Well, first of all, they should do it. Uh, those games make a gazillion dollars. Uh, they're going to get the little tax write-off. And you know what? If it wasn't for those older, guy, older guys, there would be no Charles Barkley, Carl right. Malone, Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird. Yep. You know, people actually think that, you know, these young fools, they actually think, and number one, I've always said this, the two most important people in NBA history are Magic Johnson and Larry Bird. Hmm. If it wasn't for those guys, because, you know, Tyler, you, you weren't even born. You know, back in the day, the NBA was too black, too crime infested, right. too druggy, and it wasn't the thing it was. Hmm. But Magic Johnson and Larry Bird, came in and changed the whole fortunes of the NBA uh, and and the rest is history. And I want to make sure that I always tell those two guys, thank them for all the money they made me. Now, obviously, mm. Michael and the guys going forward took it to another level. But if it wasn't for Larry Bird and Magic Johnson, right. uh, and like I say, there was a bunch of great players, Definitely. but they, they wasn't making money. I think I saw a stat because, you know, and, and God rest Commissioner Stern. He, mm. So Commissioner Stern came into the NBA the year I came into the NBA. Uh, me and Michael and those uh, came and those guys. Mm. I think I saw the stat when they were talking about when he passed this year, rest in peace to a great, great man. The average salary was $250,000. Mm. I think right now the average salary is almost $10 million. Wow. That's crazy. That's the and not, average. Yeah, and not a lot of time, really. What, 30 years is really 30 not a years. long Yeah, not a lot to of go, time. To go so. from, from $250,000 to $10 million a year, that's crazy. Yeah. That, so, yeah. Uh, but it's been, a, it's been amazing, man. And I've been so blessed to play for 16 years. Uh, you know, if it went, Nike's been amazing to me. And now I'm stealing money at TNT, working <laughs> with them fools, Ernie, Kenny, and Shaq. So... <laughs> you know, it's been pretty it's been pretty amazing my journey, man. I was looking into some of your journey. I don't know if you know this. On your IMDB page, it has you listed as six foot ten. Did you know that? I did not know that. Six I six thought, foot hey, ten and three fourths inches. Hey, I I thought I thought you was gonna have said had me listed at six six, which is a lot no, too. No, uh, see I've seen that one before. I said I've never seen them listed as six ten. And so I, did you edit that yourself? Did you make that? Well, see, now, if you read a lot about me, you know I'm computer illiterate. <laughs> I, I never use a computer. Um, I just learned how to do iTunes. Okay. No, no, no. No. Netflix. Okay. I just learned to do Netflix during the pandemic. Uh, you know, I try to, I, I just, number one, I get sick of people asking me for money. So... I try to limit people access to me as much as possible, mm. you know, cause man, I, you know, that, that's the one drawback to my, my life, man. Money is such a dangerous thing because when you got it, man, you, it's a lot of snakes out there and people ask you for money every day, all day, yeah. people, you know, family members, strangers. So, you know, I got, I, 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 I'm not a computer guy. And my number one goal is to not people not be able to reach me because man, I get so sick and tired of people asking me for money. It drives me nuts because it ruins all your relationships too. Yeah, you know, Grant Hill's mom, the, one of the greatest people I've edit, ever met in my life. You know, we were at the Olympics in '96, and I was sitting with her and Mr. Hill, Calvin, and we were talking about life and things like that. And I made this joke because Grant, I think at the time, had just signed for like a hundred million dollars. Mm with Orlando, if I remember correctly. And they said, well, we got to get back to Dallas because Cavs got to go back to work because he worked for the Cowboys. And I said, wait, Grant just got $100 million. Why are y'all going to work? And she says to me, Charles, let me give you one piece of advice. Do not start taking care of all your family and friends. It's going to ruin every relationship in your life. Mm. And let me tell you something. I did not listen to her. And she was 100% correct. It ruined mm. all my friendships and all my family relationships because once you start giving people money, they ain't never going to stop. Right. They ain't never going to stop. It's never a one-time thing. It's never a one-time thing. 
Uh, and but the thing is, it does ruin all your relationships, and that sucks. Yeah. Now, relationships. I know you've got a, a good one. I don't know if you can see. I've got a University of Kentucky in the background. Uh, I know you had a bet with John Calipari for the football game. Are y'all going to bet something when Kentucky sweeps Auburn this year? Or are y'all not going to bet anything? Well, when we beat y'all to get to the final four, he didn't bet me then. He know that we got a young, we got a, uh, a young group of kids this year, so uh, I'm a, I'm not gonna be overconfident this year. You know, okay. me and Cal. Hey, listen, me and Cal been friends for a long time. I'm a big Cal fan. You know, one of the guys I played with in the NBA has been his number one assistant for like the last twenty years. So I spent a lot of time around Cal. Hmm. Uh, I spoke. Uh, at events for him. I like him a lot. But listen, uh, we're, we, we, uh, we're a football school right now. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, so we are, we beat Kentucky. He shaded an ugly beard. <laughs> uh, you know, I, you know, he, I, I did his podcast uh, and he, uh, he did our show. Uh, but then we did a podcast. I did his podcast and he had that ugly beard. Like, <laughs> Just Cal, just because you've been stuck in the house for a pandemic, just grab a razor. Just run down to the store and grab a razor. You look <laughs> awful. And uh, he's like, well, I'll bet it against Auburn and Kentucky. I said, let me tell you something. Auburn is not going to lose to Kentucky in football ever. And uh, But, no, he's just a good friend, man. So you went to UK? Yes, sir. You so know, I, man, oh, yeah. Uh, you know, I miss – I tell you what, uh, I had a great relationship with uh, Mel Turpin, Sam Bowie, mm-hmm. Kenny Skywalker. You know, seeing those guys in the NBA after I played against them in college was pretty special. I'd say so. I know y'all had some – I think the thing back then, because people were in school for two years, three years, four years, like you got to develop a little right. Like, you know, okay, they beat us this time. We'll catch them next year and vice versa. Was that part of it? Uh-oh. There we go. Okay. You up. know, for me, though, listen – when I when I played at Rupp Arena, it was to me, it was like uh, later in my life when I went to Chicago Stadium, Boston Garden, uh, the L.A. Forum. Uh, it was like going to church, mm. and they had some of the most of Listen, Kentucky's probably got the best fans in the world. Listen, the Big Blue Nation, them people travel like pack rats. Yeah, they, I don't care where Kentucky basketball is going, they gonna be there. But as a basketball fan, like when you go to Rupp Arena, you're like, "Wow, mm. this is some pretty damn special." Yep. And it was amazing and all and awesome. Mm. I've got uh, one more question here, then we'll jump in. I know we got some viewer questions for you. When I was doing my research, I noticed there are a lot of pictures of you with like whole pizzas in them, like a whole lot of pictures. Do you have like a favorite? Like a fate when you think back and like, man, that was a really good pizza. Like that was the best pizza I ever ate. You know, no, not really because I number one, I like pizza. So, so what happened, uh, Tyler was when I was at Auburn, we couldn't get any press. Hmm. So they came to me and said, "Hey, can what can we? We want to start using you to get attention to the program." Because, like I say, Auburn had I don't know if we ever had a winning season. I mean, when I first got to Auburn, we were having we get a couple thousand fans a game, mm. and I went from being in high school to it was well, we were rock stars. Like you couldn't right. get a seat at our game, and I went down to Auburn. I'm like, man, we got two thousand people here. Mm. So I started having success in my freshman year because I was leading the SEC in rebounding, and Auburn like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna start riding this because I had like a uh, bread truck. Uh, okay. The round mound of rebound, mm-hmm. uh, the Crisco kid. <laughs> I mean, I can't even remember all of them now, but I, every every now and then somebody showed me a list of, I had like 10, 15 nicknames. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Sports Illustrated wanted to do a story on me, and we did the thing with the pizza, mm-hmm. and it just took off. So that's how the whole thing started. I was just trying to attract some attention to Auburn basketball. And you know what? I'm not going to lie. It worked out perfectly. Yeah. I was going to say, it got the attention. So is that urban legend that you would call and tell them your name and they would just send two pizzas? Is that true or false? 
No, uh, we would order. We got together with the football team. Uh, we would order some pizzas, mm. and then me and Bo Jackson, and then we the rest of the guys would go down and steal a couple pizzas out the car. Okay. That's actually the <laughs> urban legend. Okay. Yeah, we we order like three or four pizzas, but we'd always steal like two or three so we can feed the whole foot. Because the football and basketball team stayed in the same building. Right. So, so we were still we we probably stole more pizzas than we paid for. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I mean, listen, Charles Barkley and both y'all shouldn't have been paying for any pizzas. Well, listen. At the time, now we weren't Bo Jackson and Charles Barkley. True, we were uh, we, yeah. <laughs> it, it took us a couple of years to, to get it together. Right, uh, uh, it did. It because, like I say, Auburn wasn't doing good in football, and they weren't doing nothing in basketball. It took us a little time to get it together. And man, if going to Auburn and me and Bo talk about it all the time. One was probably the greatest decision I ever made in my life. Mm, why? It's just a great school. And once you go there, you are part of a family for life. I know a lot of people say that. But listen, I'll give you a perfect example. Mm. People only like Kentucky because they love Kentucky basketball. Is yep. that fair? No, that's very fair. Okay. People only like University of Alabama because Alabama's great at football. Yeah. And I tell them, there's nothing wrong with that. Well, but once you go to Auburn, you're just an Auburn person for life. Mm. And... Uh, that's the thing I love about it, uh, and and there's nothing wrong with that. Right. Okay. Check in with Bridget here. I think we'll get to a couple of questions we've got from the chat. Let's see, first question we've got from Whack Human Being it says Charles, for your money, which HBCU has the best marching band? <laughs> oh my God! You know I haven't. That's a great. Um, well, first of all, I don't want to get my ass kicking in <laughs> any of them. I was gonna say you can't say the wrong one. Yeah. Growing up in Alabama, Alabama A and M against Alabama State was the game we went to every year. Okay. Uh, so for me, uh, I'm about to say Alabama A and M State because. Uh, they're just my home schools. Right. Uh, but Alabama, we went to that, uh, the classic every year at Legion Field. Uh, mm -hmm. that, was the, that was the place to go every in year. Birmingham, yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, you know, I've seen uh, the schools down in Louisiana when I'm watching the Eddie uh, Robinson Classic every year on NBC. Uh, so, but, man, uh, it's, it, their talent is amazing how hard yeah. they work. Yeah. They put on such a show uh, every time. Next question from Mikey Turs says, what is Charles' favorite or funniest moment during his time with the TNT crew? Oh, my God. That, 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 first of all, I can't answer that question. Uh, you know, <laughs> you know, the one night, uh, the one time, you know, they told me they were having a party because I was pissed that we were working New Year's Eve. Okay. And they were telling me that they were going to have a party for New Year's Eve. And they had taped a party earlier in the week. <laughs> and I was so excited we were going to have a party after we got off the air. And they're like, come on. They took me to the studio so you can go to the party now. And they took me to the studio. And there's nothing going on in the room. And they had taped it earlier in the week. So everybody was they in had, on it. They had all the TNT talent there. Everybody worked there. They had taped it like five days earlier. I was pissed. <laughs> it was hilarious. Uh, you know, the one night they had the Champions Club, uh, and I couldn't get in. <laughs> and uh, and Kenny, and that's one of the nights we had when Magic was working with us. Mm. Uh, so, man, it's been so many. Uh, it's been so many times. Uh, we actually got an anniversary show coming up. Okay, and and they got a list of no, they just got hours and hours of all the stuff that happened over the years. Mm. And, and let me just tell you something: half the stuff you forget. Yeah, uh, you know, because yeah. I've been there for twenty years. The night, remember the night the late great Kobe Bryant uh, jumped over the car, mm? and, and then we <laughs> did it with Kenny, but we had the car hidden. Yeah, and Ernie was driving the car. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, and one funny thing about 
that show. <laughs> and and I, I shouldn't tell it, but I'm going to. So uh, we couldn't find a blow-up doll to run over. <laughs> okay. And I'm not going to tell you who says, you can get them down at the sex shop. And the whole room like, how do you know? Hey, that? How you know? Uh, how do you know that? So I'm not going to rat <laughs> anybody out. But we found, he says, oh, they got plastic uh, dolls. We're like, dude, how do you know that? Yeah, tell them I sent you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, it was, you know, it's one of those things where somebody says something like, dude, how do you know that? What do you do? What? You buying dolls down at the spot? You buying downtown? So you yeah, frequent. Yeah, yeah. yeah you. Hey, hey, I don't know. Hey, hey, I'm kind of crazy, but I don't know you can buy blow-up dolls. That. <laughs> Who knows that? Next question. We got one from Bryson. Bryson says, who does Charles think would be a great future commentator out of all the current NBA players? You know, that's a great question. And I don't know, because let me tell you something. And I shouldn't say this, but it's true. We bought it. We bring in 10 guys a year Hmm. who we think going to be great because we know them. Right. And when they get in front of the camera, they look like this. Yeah, it's it's different story when the lights are on. It's a totally like let's say it's so I've been here for 20 years. And like I said, we bring in 10 guys a year and we're like, oh, because they'll ask us who you think gonna be great on TV. Oh, that guy gonna be great on TV. Mm. Oh, that guy gonna be great on TV. And when we turn on them bright lights, they sit there like <laughs> and we're like, yo, man. Right, can't go. you just can't yeah. you just act normal? So that hey Bryson, that's a great question. But you never know who's gonna freeze up uh, yeah. on television. I mean, so, because we got two networks. We got TNT and we got NBA TV. Mm-hmm. So we put a lot of people on NBA TV to see how they're going to do. Right. Uh, and li- listen, man, when you watch the tape, you're like, that ain't the same dude. Because, like, sometimes we're hanging out in the back and we're shooting the crap and everybody's having a good time. And then as soon as the big lights come on, they just sit there and yeah. they only speak when spoken to and they don't know. And then they start talking like, well, they're running a pick and roll. Like, yeah, we know that, dude. Can you like, or what? To, yeah, come no, on, we yeah. like dumb it down. Uh, but so that's a great question, Bryson. But man, you just never know who's gonna be great on TV. You just mm-hmm. never know. Yeah. Let's see, question from Marcel it says, "What is your favorite food spot in Alabama?" Well, in fairness, uh, every time I go to Alabama, I end up at Fleming's. Uh, I go to Fleming's on two eighty. 100% of the time that I'm in Alabama. I just love Fleming's. I think I'm going to get a good steak or chicken uh, every time I go there. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, is Flint, where is that in Birmingham or is that in that's, Leeds? And- that's in Birmingham. That's in Bar- okay. it's, just, it's just a chain steakhouse. Okay. Uh, but but I, that's the place I go the most. Okay, but Let if he me. got a good, if he got a good soul food spot, I would love him to recommend that because I, I, uh, <laughs> I that, that's always good. Oh yeah, uh, Marcel, if you still in the chat, hit us with a you good know, soul food when spot. When I'm in Atlanta, I go to K and K and Walters. Okay, yeah, uh, Walters out by the airport and K and K over by the dome. Mm. Uh, those are my spots. That's where I get my oxtails at. I love me some oxtails, <laughs> okay. man. Uh, Big watches oxtails. at the airport got the best oxtails and uh, K&K, man. They got some good stuff there, too. My baked chicken, my turkey wings. Love it. Let's see. Next question we got. Maybe. Maybe not. I know. We, let me see. Beef said, what, is, what are your favorite of your nicknames? Well, I, 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 the great question. I probably go with Sir Charles. Okay. You know, yeah. You know, I've been called around mound quite a bit, obviously, but I would think Sir Charles is probably my favorite because uh, it sounds classic. Uh, mm. But you know, man, I, you know, I've been so lucky and blessed. You know, uh, coming out of the projects in Leeds. Shout out to Leeds, Alabama. That's my home always. But, you know, I've had the most amazing life. And I'm not saying that to be whatever. But, you know, growing up with a single mom and grandmother and brothers, and two of my brothers have passed away. I got one left. 
So, uh, man, my life has been a dream come true. I'm not going to lie. That's good news, man. I think we yeah. got it. So we got anything else? And if not, we will, uh, won't take up too much more of your time. Oh, we got one more from Bob. Bob says, what is Charles' best score golf in 18 holes without using mulligans or his foot wedge? Hey, brother, first of all, Bob, nobody cheats at golf who knows how to play. Get his uh, ass. Get him. No, hey, no mulligans. No mulligans. Not a real golfer. Uh, <laughs> no foot wedges. Uh, my best score back in the day was 78. Um, okay. 78 was my best score, Bob. Uh, man, I love golf. I, I could play golf every single day. It's a lot of fun. Um, uh, so I love it. So uh, my boy in Birmingham, you know, I just bought a distillery down there. Uh, okay. called Redmond Distilling. So if you're in Alabama, give a shout out to my people, uh, Redmond Vodka and Vulcan Gin okay. over in Avondale. Uh, I, bought, I, I finally got, you know, we were talking about earlier, I finally got a mayor, Randall Woodman, mm -hmm. who, who's been helping me. So I bought a distillery in Birmingham like a year and two years ago. Okay. And we're doing great. We actually just moving into Atlanta. Okay. Uh, we just got approved. We're in Atlanta now. Uh, Redmond Vodka. Go to Redmond Distilling, but Redmond Vodka and Vulcan Gin. We're doing great, and uh, that's really gonna help me going forward mm. uh, with these uh, with some of the things I want to do charity wise. Because uh, uh, another thing I did the last couple of years uh, with Wounded Warriors, mm. you know, mm -hmm. uh, America, they, we treat our uh, uh, vets like crap. Uh, so I really do. I, I got involved with Wounded Warriors, I think it was four years ago. Uh, you know, I was telling you, I was trying to give a million dollars a year away. So, uh, that, that was one of my first ones giving Wounded Warriors a million dollars. And man, being around those guys, I ain't got no problems, I ain't got no issues. Yeah. Uh, being around those vets, man, thank them for that service. I know it's uh, vet, this is the week we honor the military, absolutely. And we should do it like way more than one day uh but i want to thank everybody out there who's a vet for their service and we just got to do better with our vets america plain and simple definitely we we, we def they they deserve that much at least yes so got any more if not we got one last question here we're getting uh putting a playlist together so we're trying to get a song or two from all the legends so what are you what are you listening to either when you Said you're in the gym or out on the golf course. What uh, what kind of music are you listening to? Well, uh, I always listen to Nas. Hate me now, first thing in the morning. Okay, every morning. Every morning. I like it that. Just let me know. I like that a lot. Hey, it's go for if that's for all the haters out there. If you listen to that song, it it, it rises every single day of my life. I play Nas. Hate me now. It sets the tone for a good day. Yes, it sets the tone for a good day, but. As you guys know, who know me, uh, Public Enemy is my favorite group of all time. Uh, we had Chuck D on about, whew, we just ended, so like three weeks ago. Mm. Public Enemy is my favorite group of all time. I got to say right now that I'm listening to her, okay. and, Liz, her and Lizzo mm -hmm. are, blow, are blowing me up every day. I'm loving listening to them. I got to admit, man, I've been listening to a little country lately. Dan and okay. Shay. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, I started listening to Dan and Shay and Brett Young with that song, Mercy. Okay. Uh, so uh, Dan and Shay, man, them boys can do their thing. Yeah, uh, I might need to check it out. You need to listen to Dan and Shay, man. They got a couple love songs, one of them called Speechless, that you'd be like, damn, I, I'm looking for a girl like that. Okay, now that's that's it's right up my speechless. alley. I'm telling you, you're going to love it. Dan and Shay, uh, Dan and Shay, uh, gotcha. and Brett Young plays a song called Mercy. Okay, uh, that's amazing. But listen, for some reason, man, Lizzo and her, yeah, uh, uh I tell you what, man, uh, her's got this song about him. Uh, I can't even think of the name of it right now. It's a duet with uh, somebody, and man, it's uh, the, it's something about the movie, and you're the best part. And I'm like, Damn, oh, uh, I'm Daniel Caesar. Daniel Caesar. Yeah. I'm like, that's, yeah, that's man, a beautiful. I, that's hey, a beautiful song. Yeah. That's, isn't that beautiful? I'm like, yeah. damn, we all looking for that, right? I'm looking for the best part. So, uh, <laughs> right. but listen, I, I I do, but I'm telling you, man, go check out Dan and Shady. Okay, uh, they really good. Okay, got a couple uh good songs for the playlist. 
Chuck, we kept you a whole hour. Thank you so much for joining us, man. Hey, listen, number one, I want to thank you guys for having me. Uh, and I want to thank all the legends and every player who played before me because if it wasn't for them, there would be no me. Yep. Uh, and it's a, it, it was an honor and privilege to play in the NBA. And uh, thanks for having me. You guys take care of yourself and be safe out there. Hey, and put on a damn mask, too, when y'all in public, fools. Please tell them, Chuck. Maybe yeah, they'll listen to on, you. Man. Come on. Don't be a damn idiot. Put a mask on. Thank you. Please right, and man. thank you. Thank you, Tyler. All right. thank. We'll talk to you soon, Chuck. For sure. Right, that'll do it for this week's Legends Live. As you know, new, got new episodes live every Thursday, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the NBA Alumni Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch page. I'd like to remind our viewers you can watch replays of any old episode at legendsofbasketball.com slash legends live. You can catch the audio replay uh, in podcast form on Apple Podcasts or Spotify by searching Legends Studio like to send another thank you to Charles Barkley for joining us today, to Bridget behind the scenes, and to everybody that uh, joined us live in the chat. And we will see you next Thursday.